All right, Bruins fans, do we think UCLA will be competitive in basketball in 2024 when they head to the Big Ten? We'll talk about that on Locked On UCLA. Let's get to it. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On UCLA podcast. I'm your favorite host, newly mustached, if you're watching on YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer, and thanks for making Locked On UCLA your first listen each and every day. It's free wherever you get your episode, and it's available on YouTube. So like, comment, subscribe, download, follow at Locked On Bruins on Twitter. Thanks for joining the show today. Moving into 2024, as we take a a year-by-year look, we're going to jump ahead a year. Will I still have the mustache in a year? Who knows? But we're going to talk about what 2024 looks like, and that could be completely different than what we absolutely think. UCLA basketball, I wonder, in how competitive the Big Ten Conference will be for a lot of the sports, especially the two big-money sports, football and basketball, you wonder which team is actually set up better to immediately compete in the Big Ten come the move to in 2024 in July of next year. Basketball, of course, it's a little bit more year by year. Chip Kelly can set up a team a couple of years in advance to prepare for those first couple of years in the Big Ten after his contract extension. For McCronin, one wonders, what's this roster going to look like in 2024? Can they compete with the Big Ten gauntlet that's going to be coming up in, in years to come? Remember, Purdue, who everybody thought was still fraudulent, had a good team, and they lost in the first round. But every team in the Big Ten had over 10 or more losses, having to travel across the country, and one wonders how UCLA will fare, considering they don't really have any warm recruiting trails yet on top U.S. high school recruits, because I've read a little bit of the Bruin Report online. The Bruins are shifting a lot more towards overseas recruiting and while we're still waiting for a Demar to come in 2023, and we're expecting him to leave after that year, Clark and Bona, even if they do come back, I would assume that they are both gone next year after 2023, even if they do. So what does that leave UCLA? That's if Lazar Stefanovic can stay. That's if McClendon Andrews decide to develop, or not decide, but if they do develop on the court, Elaine Fibleul, if he stays more than a year, Will UCLA basketball actually be ready? We could talk about football all day long, right? You've got Dante Moore. You've got guys in skill positions, linemen and recruits who know what's coming in the Big Ten, and they've got skills. They've got skilled players who are ready to compete in the Big Ten right now, in my humble opinion. And whether it's Dante Moore as a quarterback or not, they will be set up in the Big Ten for years to come, at least for the first cycle of recruits. Basketball-wise, I just wonder how ready UCLA will be it goes from, we don't really know what 2023 will look like into 24. And then next year, let's take a look at some of the top recruits that UCLA is going after. They're going after Flory Bendunga. He's from Kokomo, Indiana, 6'9 center. He's the number one center as position. Would that work after UCLA gets in a Damara potentially, as we expect, in a bona back, and they both leave? Bendunga could fit in right really nicely. Isaiah Elohim who, you know, from Sierra Canyon, 6'5 guard, top three product in the state of California, top 20 guard, UCLA status in terms of recruiting those top two guys of the top 20, top 15 in the country, according to the 24-7 composite, 24-7 sports composite. 
UCLA hasn't put their hands in some of those guys. They have talked to a Trent Perry from a Harvard Westlake, a Sebastian Rainchick, who, you know, he's a little warm, 6'9", power forward. So one wonders, what are these guys going to look like in the next year? And considering how many UCLA recruits they missed out on heading into 2023, will they be prepared in college basketball as we shift out of the COVID age of the extra year, right? You get the COVID year, and I think next year or the year after, barring extra crazy red shirts and whatnot, we are phasing out of the COVID age. And with the transfer portal and the NIL, will college basketball remain old or will it go back to young as the NBA hasn't gone to the one and done rules? They have not decided to do that, even though we all expected that would happen. I still think, or I guess not the one and done, but from high school immediately, you can be eligible or then go to college. They haven't done that. The one and done, I think, might become more of a factor, although NIL could play a role in that. And how big and how ready is UCLA's collective, the men of Westwood, to come help that out? And is UCLA really, I know they're making this move. Martin Germain made the big move, but is Mick Cronin, and while I will not doubt his coaching expertise, how ready is this roster looking like in 2024? A little bit different in basketball, I know. It can look a lot better come next summer. And heck, this year's team is still up in doubt in 2023 with the NBA draft deadline and the withdrawals and everybody who they could still recruit, the portal being open until mid-May. Of course, there's still a lot of question marks. But hey, the Big Ten's coming, and let's take a look at who was in first place really quickly from last year. You have Purdue, who was 15-5 and in conference. They went 29-6. and Obviously, they flamed out to Fairleigh Dickinson in the first round, becoming just the second-ever one seed to lose to a 16 seed. You had Indiana, 12-8, and 23-12. and Northwestern, who the Bruins sent out, 12-8 and in third. Michigan State, 11-8. and They were 21-13. and Maryland, who UCLA trounced, but Maryland went on a nice strike at the end of the year. Illinois, Iowa, that doesn't include a Michigan. Penn State, Rutgers were all teams that were above 500. Wisconsin, these are all teams that could be very good in years to come. And one thing we have to factor in is the travel for UCLA. How are they going to break this down in the Big Ten in 2024 to 2025? Those are all things that have to be factored in because you get your 7-7, seven and seven, I believe, home games. At least that's what they had. You have seven home, seven road, and then you each get three single home and single road games is how they've broken it down this year in the Big Ten. I think football might be ready to compete earlier in the Big Ten than basketball. That is my hot take. That's my hot opinion. Can football not, yes, am I going to say they're going to win a Big Ten title? No, that's not what I'm going to say. But in terms of having a quality winning result, I think UCLA football, at least in that first year, if we expect all the players to develop and Chip Kelly's ability to win the portal, the football team could actually look pretty decent come that first year or two in the Big Ten. Basketball, I'm just trying to see what this recruiting trail looks like as they begin to go more overseas. And I know the brand of UCLA is extremely iconic. And with the exposure, when it comes to the overall things, if you hear the horn in the background, oh, well, I can't really deal with that. If you've got all these things, I just wonder, what is the next step? McCronin's got something up his sleeve. I just don't know what exactly it is. Yeah, my hot take, I think football initially starts a little bit better than basketball. Does that mean they win a conference championship and they're in the 12-team college football playoff? We're not going to go that far yet. We have to see how the 2023 seasons go. But until UCLA men's hoops decides to go and get some key recruits, get some top five players, maybe another five-star again, then we have to wait and see 
are they really going to compete immediately in the pack in the, in the Big Ten? Comparing this last year, the Pac-12. Speaking of recruits, another program at UCLA got another five star. Speaking of 2024 in that Big Ten, one team's getting it cooking. We're going to tell you about them when we come back. But first, let's talk to you about bird dogs. They're coming along, and if you've never heard of bird dogs, it's because I don't really know what you're doing. Bird dogs are extremely comfortable. You feel great wearing them. You look better. I look better. Come on, bird dogs, let's do it, because their stretchy fabric makes my legs look great. Hey, it's summertime, and whether you're sitting in humidity across the country, whether you're sitting in cool weather in beautiful spots of California, or wherever you're sitting across the globe watching this, listening to this, they're comfier than any other of my shorts and pants. I, I dig. I dig the comfy. I dig it. I dig it in the comfiness. But, you know, it gives me the freedom to wear shorts or pants on the golf course, meeting, dates, hanging out with friends. All you have to do is go to birddogs.com slash college. When you enter the promo code Locked On College, they'll throw in a custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. It's where comfy meets how you look good. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college. Cruising on in locked on UCLA, Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer with you guys. The Bruins women's basketball team just today got another commitment from another five star. So speaking of a team and a program in Corey Close that wants to go make things happen in the Big Ten immediately. And while it's a little different when it comes to the recruiting cycle, in a year to come, and while some players like to commit early, and I know in men's basketball they take as long as humanly possible to build up an NIL case and maybe do something overseas and do the G League, UCLA got a commitment from a five-star. I believe she's now a top 20, 25 recruit, according to the ESPN sites of their rankings for ESPNW. You've got Avery Kane, a five-star, who joins five-star Kendall Dudley. And then you've got Elaine Elena Abeseon. I forgot how I say her name, but... The, the finished product, so I'm sorry for butchering the name there, but you've got an overseas product, you've got a five-star and another five-star. UCLA, who recently just got the transfer portal in, getting the Stanford transfer, who was the top recruit in 22, to pair the second-best recruit in 22 with the top-ranked recruiting class, or one of the top-ranked recruiting classes in the class of 2022. You bring all that back this year, and then you've got you know one last year, of Charisma Osborne and Cam Brown, those two leave. And then you've got one more year of 2022's best recruiting class, two five-stars, and now UCLA women's hoops is all of a sudden looking like a big-time competitor in the Big Ten. And I know all the talk in the Big Ten right now will be, oh, yeah, Caitlin Clark and all those things, but eventually she's going to run out of eligibility, and despite whatever big NIL check they're going to give her, she's going to go and play some extremely good pro basketball while UCLA could come in and compete immediately in the Big Ten. Right away, a little bit different recruiting on the men's side, but for the women's side, man, Corey Close just knows how to go get the players. And while it was sad to see Juju go over to USC, one of the best recruits in the class of 23, Corey Close picked her battles, goes and gets last year's best recruit to compete for this year's team's starting spot as the starting center. And then a year to a year later, you're going to bring almost all those players back. Try to replace your leading scorer, scorer in Charisma Osborne. And I think this program is looking extremely, extremely good for years to come. Because, you know, it, why not? It's going to be some fun environments when you go play in Iowa or other places 
across the country. And man, oh man, a five-star Avery Kane. She's from Santa Maria, five-star product. And kind of looking at the Santa Maria Times, I broadcast quite a bit in the Santa Maria Times. She's currently ranked, or I think she was 20th earlier in the month of February. She was number 31 on the 2024 ESPNW 60 ranking. And just reading what the website was saying, She's, she was expected to rise. She's already jumped 11 spots, plays at St. Joseph's in Santa Maria. If you don't know where that is, it's in the Central Coast around Santa Maria, California. If you're not that big into California geography, it's in the Central Coast in between Santa Barbara and San Luis Obispo. And St. Joseph's is a really good program. They have really good athletics over there, a private school that is just really good top to bottom, whether it's the men's bat, the boys' basketball program, the girls' basketball program, just about every one of their sports competes at the highest level in the CIF, whatever it be, state, section, whatever, they can do it all. And the way they described Avery Kane is how she's under control, fundamentally skilled as any guard in the country. She's six foot and has the skills to play multiple perimeter positions. A lefty stroke, and hey, we saw London Jones have a good lefty shot this year quite a bit, and range well beyond the three-point line. Footwork that allows her to maneuver without overuse of the dribble, and is both a separator, which is refreshing in today's game, is quote-unquote what it said based on, I think, the Santa Maria Times quoting ESPNW's article and talking about Avery Kane, who decided to say, hey, she's a smart defender, uses her length, positioning to make plays, and made a big impression, and man, oh man, she is a baller. Look at UCLA women's hoops. They are going to do things for years to come. They could compete for a national championship this year, and they can certainly be on the short list to compete for an immediate Big Ten Conference Championship in two years' time with what Corey Close is bringing together. Now, how do they handle the travel with all the teams and all the sports? That is the wonder that we have to find out going forward. But in the meantime, that is just what they're going to find out. All we know is that UCLA is stacking up the talent on the roster for years to come, and I think they're going to be pretty good. Cruising on into segment three of Locked On UCLA, Another sport that's seeing somebody leave, not something or anything else, UCLA Beach Volleyball. We're going to kind of combine a couple of segments, go between softball and beach volleyball in this final segment. Beach Volleyball, if you missed the news, is a program who just lost, unfortunately, in the national title matchup against USC, despite being the number one seed overall. We thought we had a men's volleyball and a beach volleyball championship coming in back-to-back weeks that we're getting up to 122 in national championships did not happen because the Bruins fell short to those team across the country, across the city, just cross town. Stein Metzger though, the, the head coach who has been since who's been the coach for UCLA beach volleyball since its inception in the mid 2010s, back in 2015, when, when the program or 2014, I forget what year it was, that UCLA turned into having a great program from the building before his NCAA championship sponsored fledgling little program. And then all of a sudden they went back to back titles. They've been in the finals twice falling short. The only two teams that have won NCAA championships in beach volleyball, despite it's expanding, you know, reach in across the country, Stein Metzger is going to Texas and going to start that program or kind of revolt revamp that program for somebody who is just seeing Texas in their second year, leaving UCLA, who won three you know, championships as a Bruin on the men's indoor team. And then you've got 
what is UCLA going to look like next, right? They had all these players looking ready to go to win the title this year. They fall short. And instead, the Bruins will have to settle, not settle, I guess, but they'll move on with an interim head coach right now, Jenny Johnson-Jordan, who has been side-by-side with Stein Metzger. Reading this talk on VolleyballMag.com, he just thought, wow, just the resources available, the time to do it. He's been in UCLA. He's been around L.A. for a while, a native Hawaiian but he decides, hey, he's going to go to Texas and grow the sport. Just talking about even though UCLA, the big brand, moving to the Big Ten, you can still see what the SEC money, right? Because remember, Texas and Oklahoma will be moving to SEC pretty soon. That money, that additional fervor to be good at literally anything athletic, any sport, any kind, whatever it is, Texas is throwing money at him. And he says, hey, I'm going to go do this. Look at the resources we have. I've already brought UCLA to new heights. We want to see someone else win a title. It's not what he said. But one of the things is, you know, Texas already has a good indoor volleyball program that just won a national championship. They want to be good on the beach side. And it's just unfortunate UCLA is losing Metzger while his longtime assistant coach and Jenny Johnson-Jordan, who won an NCAA title back in 1991 with the women's indoor program, is preparing the way for the new era, right? you got a UCLA team that's won a couple of championships, a couple of runner-up finishes, and then, hey, let's get ready to go and get this new era in. That's something I want to bring up today because, hey, it, it sucks when your coach that literally started the program and got them to new heights, close to winning three to four national championships, always clashed with SC. He's going to go take on a new endeavor, and we'll see how UCLA women's volleyball does. If it's like women's soccer in Marguerite Erozasa, and she comes in and wins a title in her first year. Hey, if that is if that's not a sign of things to come, why not? Let's see what Jenny Johnson Jordan can do on the beach volleyball front. So we'll see what happens there. But just know UCLA is going through a transition. One last little update for UCLA softball as we like to end things. I was seeing Maya Brady is a top three finalist for National Player of the Year, and quite frankly, I'm not sure how. She doesn't win it. She's just an absolute baller. I know there's great talent across the country. You've got eight Bruins who are named NFCA All West Region, which, you know, tied a program record this year with seven players named to the NFCA West All Region First Team. You've just got player after player who is ready to go for this Easton Stadium Regional in Los Angeles. That's the NFCA, the National Fast Pitch Coaches Association. You've got Maya Brady, Megan Faramo, Brooke Giannis, Charlize Palacios, Woolery Grant, Kennedy Powell, and Savannah Pola. Hey, that doesn't even include Aaliyah Jordan, who's been playing well since returning from injury in the back half of the season. So again, the 38th NCAA postseason appearance for UCLA softball, an NCAA record, mind you, that begins on Friday, May 19th. At 5 p.m., all those games, I believe, will be, or at least the majority of them, will be on ESPN+. Plus. The Bruins start against Grand Canyon. They've got San Diego State. They've also got Liberty in their bracket. The Bruins, heavy favorites just to get through that, although they've played a lot of close games. They come off the Pac-12 tournament loss against Utah in the tournament final. Who they're matched up against if both teams win their regionals and face off in the Supers. So while it might be tougher than we think, UCLA is overwhelming favorites to go and win and all their players continually getting more and more love, right? Maya Brady getting all the recognition because she's just an absolute baller. You've got eight different UCLA players getting named to recognition on the West Coast. 
It's just coming down to tournament time. And can they win? We'll talk about all that and more around the weekend, around everything, and talking UCLA softball, UCLA basketball, football, and all these things with UCLA. Because, hey, basketball is going to be making some waves soon. Football will be making some moves. We've got it all here on Locked On UCLA, which is why you should become an everyday listener. Hit that subscribe button. Get the subscriptions. Get the notifications when episodes out. Download all the audio platforms, all the video platforms. Thanks for your support. And hey, if you like the mustache, hit the comment section. If you don't like the mustache, keep your comments to yourself. All the jokes aside, we love you. Thanks for the support. Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer, signing off. Hands up, Bruins fans. Eight clap time, baby. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You, C, L, A, U, C, L, A. Fight, fight, fight. This has been Locked On UCLA. Go Bruins.